I'm a big believer that experience teaches. My goal with this show is to have guests to share their experience so that they can tell you what it's like, what they did right and what they did wrong. And I'm gonna share the same. Look, I'm not trying to regurgitate stuff you can find on the internet. I'm gonna tell you how it really is and what it's really like to own your own place. This is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast with your host, Kyle and Sarah. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle and Sarah. And this is the number one and fastest growing podcast for independent restaurant owners in the country. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to another episode. And all right, listen, I've got a little bit of a, of a confession to make. And if you listen to the last episode, you, you, you know probably what this is about. But so we switched over to a new platform, more sophisticated platform, and we're not that sophisticated over here, right? We're figuring it out as as we go along, but we're working on it, working on getting audio engineers and all that fun stuff, right? Uh, so if you're an audio engineer and or sponsor, hit me up. Um, <laughs> the recording on my end is a little loud, okay? But who cares about me? You don't need to hear what I have to say. You need to hear what, what, what the guests have to say, right? So uh, our guest this week and Charles's audio from last week were good, while mine was extremely loud. So uh, hopefully you picked up on that. We're able to adjust accordingly and didn't alter your experience too much. So we have it figured out moving forward. So it will no longer be an issue. Um, but yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. And you like, you can't have the guest back, right? That's just not a great look. So, um, but yeah, that's that that's behind us. I apologize. Hopefully we have a relationship now where you feel like it's okay, Kyle, you've, you've given me plenty of other episodes that were totally fine. Um, so yeah, here we are, episode 129 and 130 that are a little bit off, but these guys were just great guests, right? You can't have them just like re-record, can't re-record that magic, but you guys get where I'm coming from. I am um, actually also right now, as we speak in the middle of sending out the weekly newsletter. So if you guys do not get the restaurant and real estate newsletter, you can sign up via the link in my personal Instagram bio. And I believe it's also in the show bio too. Um, uh, a great article that was here, Open Table Data, shows rise in demand by seated diners in August, September, and holding steady into October. So it looks as though restaurant reservations have returned to pre-pandemic levels, which is fantastic news. So that is a positive, and we always love to end on a positive note. And today we have a really cool story. Um, a young dude, a guy I became sort of close with uh, through real estate, through a connection I had. Uh, at my former former brokerage, uh, he was kicking around one concept pre-pandemic. Then, you know, shit kind of hit the fan. He uh, pivoted. Oh, God, I hate that word. But he did. He pivoted. My man pivoted to something else that he was more passionate about. Um, his name is Aaron Ratner. He's got a great story. And his concept is called Paper Plate. They're going to be launching in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, a brick-and-mortar location in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, shortly. Uh, that's two Williamsburg locations. Actually, you know what? Sorry. Packing House is not in Williamsburg, but it's in Brooklyn. So that's two Brooklyn restaurants uh, in the last couple of weeks here. Shout out to Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, Paper Plate. Launching in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Super cool guy. Great background. Great story. Um, his audio is perfectly fine. So you guys will love that. And um, enjoy. Aaron Ratner. Founder. CEO. Chef. Everything <laughs> for Paper Plate. This episode of the National Restaurant Owners Podcast is brought to you by Plate IQ. 
your accounts payable automation and expense management solution. As a restaurant owner, you know how important it is to stay on top of your bills. Plate IQ works with over 20,000 restaurants across the country, helping them manage and automate the full life cycle of the invoice process. Everything from general ledger coding up to and including bill payment. Plate IQ uses OCR. What's OCR, Kyle? I'm going to tell you. It's optical character recognition and deep machine learning to help eliminate manual data entry from the accounts payable process. With Plate IQ's vendor pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bills. That means you don't have to type it in. You scan it in and it does the rest of the work for you. How about that? Does that save you some time? Some headaches? With Plate IQ's vendor pay, you can also see what is due and when. Schedule payments via check, ACH, or Plate IQ card. Plus, you can even earn cash back. Yes, cash back on your invoices from over 180 thousand vendors i didn't even know there were that many vendors that's amazing lastly vendor pay is also for vendors keeping your vendors happy will give you leverage in negotiating your terms vendors participating in plate iq's vendor pay love it because on average they get paid 25 percent faster to learn more head over to plateiq.com hit request demo in the top right hand corner and when you're done and you love it and you're ready to sign up Mentioned that you heard all about Plate IQ on the National Restaurant Owners Podcast from Kyle and received 25% off implementation. All right, guys, welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. And today we have Aaron Radner from Paper Plate, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Aaron, what's up, buddy? Thanks for the time. How's it going, Kyle? Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, of course, man. Now, look, you guys, you guys are talking, you have a, an opening happening November 1st, so you haven't even done here, so I, I appreciate these valuable minutes that you're spending with us. Yeah, for sure. No, we're excited. Yeah, we're opening up our first full seven-day-a-week operation in Williamsburg Market. Um, we're going to have a little friends and family on November 1st, and we're going to be opening to the public on Friday, um, that following Friday. So we're excited, but happy to talk to you before the opening, just to sort of get the word out there and talk about our story. <laughs> Oh yeah. All right. So let, let's, let's start back. Like, I mean, you're a young guy. You're kind of going, you've been at the Williamsburg, uh, sorry, smorgasbord, right? Am I correct? Talk to me about how you wound up where you're at now. I mean, you've gone through some iterations of ideas, right? Yeah. So I've gone through a lot. So just to give like quick background on a little bit about me, cause I think it's sort of really framed to sort of where I am today. Um, so I went to university of Delaware for undergrad um, so I went to business school over there, studied hospitality business management. So I was studying, you know, all the mathematics side and all like the front of the house side, all that stuff. Um, while I was there, I was doing like my senior check on my junior year and my, uh, my advisor was like, you know, you could actually graduate a year early. And I was like, no way. I love school. I'm not leaving. There's no reason to leave here. I'm having a good <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but then he's talked about this program. They actually, he always knew I was into the culinary side as well. Um, so he actually talked about this program where they have a bridge program at the CIA at Napa Valley, um, where basically you would finish your credits at University of Delaware, um, and then head out to Napa Valley for a year and go to culinary school. Basically, since you did all the math English at Delaware, it would be like a one-year accelerated program, uh, for grad school at the CIA. So I was like, all right, now you got me thinking. Yeah. Um, (laughs) sorry. Not in Poughkeepsie. Yeah, not in Poughkeepsie. (laughs) Out in Napa Valley. So I was like, wow, wow, wow. Um, so long story short, um, I was like, how can I pass this up? So I grinded out Delaware, finished up early. 
um, and headed out to Napa Valley for what would become probably the best year of my life, uh, studying yeah, right. high school out there. Um, so yeah. So when I was out there, I started to really think I was always kind of had the entrepreneurial mindset. I was like, I've always had the interest in applying to Smorgasburg. Um, it just never really worked out with timing with school. School always ended late. It just didn't work out when the season started. Um, right. so in, in about October of that year, um, we were at a PGA tour event in Napa Valley, um, where Thomas Keller, the famous Thomas Keller had a stand oh. there. Um, and he was actually, nice. it was like his ad hoc addendum center where he was giving out uh, fried chicken, selling fried chicken, whatever. We were there, we were a bunch of nerdy culinary school people. And he asked, and we asked him, Hey, can we take a picture with you? Whatever. He's like, hold on one second. So he goes to the back, brings out four buckets of fried chicken. He says, Zombie guys, let's take a picture. Congratulations on everything you're ah, doing. Cool. Um, whatever. So really cool guy down to earth. And that's what actually started to spark my interest. It was hands down the best fried chicken I've ever had in my life. Um, I was like, wow, what if I could bring something like this back to New York? Um, so that's when I started to do some recipe and development at culinary school. I was working alongside with a lot of these like Michelin star chefs and my culinary instructor as well and started to put something together, um, which I later applied to Smorgasburg with. Um, long story short, I was applying to Smorgasburg. They accepted the initial essay and then I flew back and forth to New York plenty of times uh, to do tastings with them and all that stuff. Um, and they liked the concept enough. And later that year, I founded the Blue Chicken, which was our, my first concept right out of school um, at Smorgasburg. Um, for those of you who don't know about Smorgasburg, it's basically the largest open uh, fest food festival in the United States. Um, 100 plus vendor brings in like 20 to 30,000 people a day. Um, it's absolutely crazy. And it's really a great way platform for these new young entrepreneurs to sort of kickstart their business and really get a lot of that press um, and just have people come and see the brand. Um, so yeah, so we got to start there. Everything was going really, really well. Um, we were running through the summer, running through the winter, and then March 20th of, what was it, 2020 happened? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where everything just stopped immediately. I never moved anything into storage so quickly. Um, everything just kind of immediately stopped. We didn't have a brick and mortar at the time. We didn't have anything. Um, so times were tough. We, you know, we did a bunch of things during the pandemic, a lot of mobile events, stuff like that. Um, but things were just not really going the direction we wanted to go. Um, so kind of put everything to side during the pandemic, um, and just wanted to regroup and refocus. Um, so that brings us to this year or earlier this year when, uh, we started to work on this concept called paper plate, um, which is like a burger yeah, joint. Yeah. When you, had, when you guys had the, the chicken concept, when you had, um, when you were presenting that to Smorgasburg, are they looking for startup concepts? Like, what's the criteria that that I would think they were looking for established concepts, and it would be more difficult to sell something, sell something to them, like say, "Hey, I'd be a great fit for you guys," if they've never seen me in action, or you know, I guess that's why the tastings are important. But I feel like there's more to it than that, or am I missing something? Yeah. So no, it's like, I mean, a lot of people don't even know about the process. Um, yeah. and it's kind of like speaker per se. Like I remember before I was looking all over online on how to get in, like, what's the interview going to be like all this stuff, nothing's there. Um, mm. so like my year, I think they accepted like 15 new vendors out of like the, they get like hundreds of applicants a year. Um, so they are looking for sort of the young startup, that new, exciting, um, you know, crowd they're looking for, you know, obviously a great story and a great entrepreneur behind the product. Um, you know, they wanted to be successful just as much as you. I mean, huge brands have come from Smorgasburg. Uh, mm -hmm. Mighty Quinn's being one of them. I mean, they're now a national brand, yep. actually international. I think they're in mm -hmm. Dubai now and some other brands. Well, of course. Um, 
so there's some huge brands that have definitely come from Smorgasburg. Um, so they, I guess the owners, Eric and uh, John, they really have a knack of really fine tuning who's going to come in. Um, so like the whole process is like, you start with an essay, you write up your story, you send pictures of your product. Then in my case, I had to fly back out to do a tasting with them. So that tasting was like very nerve wracking for me. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. It was like one of the biggest interviews of my life. Cause you know, I was putting pretty much all my money, you know, right into this, um, right after college. So I was like very nerve wracking, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's when you find out. Like, I mean, that's, that's what it takes is, you know, when you have all your chips on the table and you write, you know, back against the wall, that's when you have to execute. Yeah. That's, that's, that's real pressure right there. Yeah, for sure. So the whole process is like from start to beginning, you know, it's kind of like tough and grinding, but you know, assuming they like you and you get through the end, it's very rewarding. Um, yeah. once you get to open up shop with them. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing because there's, uh, prior to things like Schwarzberg or other type of like pop-up events. And I think, you know, thankfully a lot of social media and ability for people to market themselves. What would you do? You have to, you have to dump a ton of cash into a, to a set up your own place. So these kind of things are really have been like incubators for concepts to, you know, yeah. I mean, no, it's amazing. And I mean, I started that, I had, I remember I literally had like $7,000 saved from every like high school, summer, college job I've ever worked. Um, and I was able to basically kickstart that entire concept with that money. Um, and thankfully it grew to much bigger than that to sort of where we are today. And like, thankfully since that started Smorgasburg, everything has been self-funded, um, until maybe the near future, but, uh, <laughs> we, we've been able to grow from that little bit, which Smorgasburg really gives you that platform to do. That's amazing. All right, so now you're everything shut down. You're doing kind of private events, trying to make it work, and you know we're kind of coming out of it. Well, what are you guys doing? You're starting to regroup. You're like, how are we going to get this thing back together? What was the plan once things were, you know, events were back open? Yeah. So, so I guess beginning of twenty, end of twenty twenty one. So like fall of this past year, about a year ago now. Um, I really sat down and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not getting anywhere with what I want to do right now. I wasn't not getting anywhere, but I wasn't going the speed and like the progression that I wanted. Right. Um, so I was like, you know what? I didn't have anything like tied down. I didn't have a brick and mortar at the time. Nothing that was tying me down to that concept. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to regroup um, and s sort of work on a new concept. Um, so I was working actually with this team, part and parcel out in California um, who I've seen do other projects. Um, so I reached out to them and we sort of worked on a brand development um, to what would soon become paper plate. Um, we're working on like brand concept, brand identity, logo design, all that fun, fun stuff. Um, so we're working that throughout the winter. Um, and then, uh, I spoke to Eric and John Smorgasburg about it. I was like, Hey, um, I have this new concept. I'd like to launch at Smorgasburg to you guys. Um, and long story short, quickly, they said, absolutely. We'd love to have you. You've been great in the path. Um, and we're looking forward to what this new concept will bring. Um, yeah. So we were, so we've been working on the brand. So basically it's like a burger joint, burgers, fries, shakes. That's it. We're keeping it very simple. Uh, I've learned a lot in the path with my other concept, um, mm. keeping it simple is stupid. You know, we want to train, keeping it, keep, keep it stupid, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, but basically keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. But basically, uh, we realized that, um, you know, keep our inventory low, train our staff to do one thing really, really well. Um, and your product will be consistent and everyone will love it. Um, so that's yeah. something we learned. 
Um, and that's why we have a very limited menu with this new concept. Um, so we, yeah, so basically we got our start at Smorgasburg. Um, it was immediately very successful. We were at three days a week. We we're in Fidei, um, in Manhattan and then Saturday and Sundays we we're in Brooklyn. Um, so that was great. And then quickly, very quickly after we first launched, uh, the owners of Smorgasburg, Eric and John wanted to team up with us to run, uh, celebrate Brooklyn music festival. Um, which was basically it's a 25 night music festival in Brooklyn where we'd feed like crowds of 13,000 people a night. Um, so we hopped, (laughs) yeah, so we hopped right on that. Um, that was a crazy summer. Um, I'll have to show you some videos of it sometime and some pictures. It was nuts. Um, sorry, last summer or the summer prior? This was this summer right here. Wow. Uh, Okay. A few months ago. So yeah, so we launched Paper Plate in August. By June, we were running Celebrate Brooklyn Music Festival alongside Smorgasburg. Um, and then that's when we start to get talks with Williamsburg Market. Um, so while this was all going on, we started construction at Williamsburg Market, um, which is a brand new food hall opening up in Williamsburg. Um, and that's going to be opening up in November. We're finishing the final touches right now. Um, and that's going to really be our first, you know, true seven day a week operation where we're going to ha- hopefully have a great proof of concept, um, to take us on to the next stages. But you say just what, what happened to the chicken concept? What are you going to make a comeback? Is it, will you bag it forever? So, so what's the story? Yeah, so right now the chicken concept is on the side. Um, I'm not sure it's going to come back. However, there's a small chance that we might add a chicken sandwich to the paper plate menu. Yeah. Um, yeah. People people have definitely been asking for it, and we miss it too. We miss doing it. Um, we still do it sometimes for private events, but it's really on the back burner. Um, so if we were to come back, it would probably come back through paper plate, and that would be like the last thing we add to the menu. Like I said, we're really trying to keep the skew um, yeah. very limited. Um, but there's a chance that we'll come back to the paper plate menu. Yeah, that's that's one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in the restaurant business was be more like Mariano Rivera. Like, just come with one thing and nobody might be able to touch it and work on it until you get it. Maybe make slight little tweaks. Like, I love that analogy because it was like, let's do a fastball. And then he's like, well, what if I cut it and move my finger over here? It's still technically a fastball and nobody could hit it. And everybody knew it was coming and nobody could touch it, right? Like, that's that's why that's the best analogy for me when it comes to the restaurant business. So yeah. tell me about tell me about the burger. Tell me all about, well, like, what, what what's the paper plate all about? Yeah, so basically, you know, like I said, we're trying to keep it simple. Um, so basically our burger, so we get a blend from Pat Lafrida. It's a short rib brisket blend um, from Pat Lafrida. So it's kind of what we wanted to do a little bit was sort of take, we love In-N-Out and we love Shake Shack, but we also think that there's some flaws um, between both of them. Uh, that nothing can be perfect. So part of, you know, what we wanted to do was sort of take a little bit the best of both worlds um, and sort of put it together and really perfect something. Um, I remember when I was out in California, I was I would literally like go to In-N-Out and sit there for like hours at a time and just like stare at the kitchen. I'm like, wow, they have literally everything down to a science. Everybody's in oh, like, yeah. it's like, it's like you're watching like a show, like literally everything is down to the science, down to the T. I'm like, what they're doing is like incredible. Like I could literally yeah. sit there for hours just watching what they're doing. So yeah, weirdly, I, weirdly, I definitely did that. There was many nights where I got burgers and I was just sitting there watching the kitchen go. That's what I do. Um, but yeah, so basically we're trying to take the best of both roads. Like, listen, like we think Shake Shack has a much better quality patty than In-N-Out does. Um, so it's something where we wanted to elevate the patty itself. Hmm. Um, we like the way In-N-Out does their lettuce and tomato. 
um, versus like Shake Shack, the leaf lettuce. To me, it's a little flimsy where in and out you get that nice crunch um, yeah. when you do that. So we were trying to take a little bit of the best of both worlds when it comes to our burger. Um, and I also know a lot of people have hate on In-N-Out fries. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now, man, I'm waiting. I can, I'm waiting. When we were there, I was like, hey, I uh, can watch this whole thing. Like, I'm, I'm like, like looking back here like this, and my, my wife's like, what are you looking? Like, look at what they're doing. She just didn't see what I saw. I'm like, this is like <laughs> it's like a dance. Yeah, I still understand in that perfection how the fries just taste like shit. Like, I don't know what yeah. they're doing wrong. It's something, hopefully, that's, those aren't your fries. You can spoke from somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're doing a single fry on a fresh potato. Mm. It's not necessarily the way to do it. Why? Um, Why do you do that? Like, there's got to be a way to fix it, right? I, mean, I know. I think the only people who actually defend it are the ones who have to defend. It. Like, they live in California and they're just like, "No, I love an out burger." What about the fries? Then the response is, "I just love an out burger." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, they don't necessarily ever come back for it. Yeah, but um, yeah, so. Whatever, they have their issues there. Uh, so we actually partnered with this company called Chipperbeck Potatoes. Um, so we're actually bringing them in from California. So we're actually using a frozen fry, which personally I think is the best type of yeah. fry um, yeah. to use. Um, so it's kind of like a variation of the Kennebec potato. Um, if you know that it's basically it has like a great starch content. It gives that crispy outside fluffy interior. Um, so that's the farm we've been using and we've found a lot of success with it so far. Um, in the beginning, we couldn't even get them out here and eventually, um, one of our suppliers was able to provide it. Um, uh, nice. so yeah, so we're, we've been working with them out here. Um, and sadly, I think you're going to start to see a lot of other companies use it as well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm not working. in and out. Don't worry about that. They're sticking with their crappy ones. But I, mean, yeah. I think that that's, that's a great point to bring up is, if you can't make it better than a frozen product, I think frozen foods now are on par with them. They're not what they were when I was certainly coming up in the kitchen, and certainly not when I was a kid. They're high quality. I mean, they're, yeah, they're you go to better and go for it, then go buy it. There's Michelin star kitchens I've been in where their steak frites are frozen fries, yeah. um, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, sometimes it's the best you know quality product out there. Yeah, um, oh yeah, so. I love that. So now you're now you got the concept nailed down and you're doing the the Brooklyn um, the Williamsburg market. What are what is that going to look like? Is it open every day? Is it open on the weekends? I mean, yeah. No. So that's going to be our first seven day a week operation. So it's going to be open seven days a week. Um, right now our hours to start are going to be twelve to ten, um, but we're going to adjust as we sort of see what the market is like. Um, we think there might be a little bit of a late night crowd for sure in Williamsburg on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll definitely take that into consideration right away. Um, once we get our doors open. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're just very excited to find like doing the mobile stuff. It's tough. I don't know if you've yeah. ever done it before. I mean, we're literally bringing a full kitchen with us, um, in a van everywhere we go. Um, it's not even a food truck. We have 10 by 10 pop-up tents that we go and set up deep fryers, grills, Everything. That's um, yeah. <laughs> no, so, that's not my. I've I have seen enough and done like enough offsite events to. I just don't know how people do that every day or like yeah. You know, like Walter's hot dogs around here. They they do it. They will chuck out a very simple menu, but it's. I mean, they're very fun. to me. It's always like where are you bringing the stuff back to, right? Because you got to clean everything up and like that's yeah. that's the headache. Right? I'm sure you're not gonna miss that at all. Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll be very happy to not be in our commissary kitchen late at night <laughs> doing everything. So. Yeah, it'll definitely be nice. And how do you how do you staff this type of thing? Are you concerned at all about staffing, or are you, I'm assuming you're going to be there the bulk of the time? 
Yeah, so I'll definitely be there bulk of the time, uh, especially when we get started. Um, staffing was, I kind of learned something this summer about staffing. Don't use Indeed. Don't use any of this stuff. I mean, I was posting in the beginning on Indeed. I was getting 150, 200 applicants. The amount of time and whatever effort I spent going through, I'd maybe get one person out of the 200 applicants. Crazy. Um, so I've, I actually, so in the beginning of the summer, I actually rehired um, a couple of people that worked with me in my last concept. Um, and basically what I learned, the best way to find people, and it's been very successful. Um, hey, do you have a friend who wants to work? That simple question brought me at our peak this summer we had 35 employees working for us between all of our mobile and celebrate brooklyn um events and they pretty much all really stem from like one or two people because you say hey do you have someone who wants to work and then they're going to bring two friends and then they're going to bring two friends they're going to bring two friends um so yeah kind of what i learned is like that's the best way to do it and also like they don't want to like disappoint their friends who are working for them right exactly. like they put their name on the line for them yeah so like they're going to show up and they're going to you know have some sort of tie and connection to them so that's kind of the best way we've been able to find staff and basically what we're doing we're just taking sort of you know the best staff that we have um that we used over the summer and we're going to roll them in because smorgasburg actually ends in two weeks. So it's actually perfect. It ends October 31st and we mm. open on November 1st. So we're actually going to sort of take our best staff and transition them into the restaurant. So thankfully we're in a good situation. They were staffing. I know everyone's the talk these days. Everyone's like staffing is so tough. So tough. I also learned if you treat your people the right way, they're going to come back and work. Imagine for you. I think that, that's, right? Yeah. Right. I think it's the simple things, um, you know, going that extra mile for them. Um, like for example, like one of my employees, like, whatever, he doesn't have a car and stuff like that. So I'm like, listen, you take the van during the week when I don't need it, do what you need to do. It doesn't really affect me. Um, well, that's nice. helps you, whatever, you know, it's the small things like that that doesn't really affect me that much that, you know, keeps my staff coming back. Um, and just treating them like humans is definitely helpful. Yeah. I mean, you, it's crazy. Like when I, when I was coming up, the things that they would make you do and the things that I would do, that's awful. Cause it was like, impressed upon me that that's the way it was and this is the way it's going to be and i think that's what one of the good things that has come out of this that whole the whole COVID situation is people are now going to analyze where they want to work based on how they're treated based on you yeah. know, other things that their company's involved in or you know obviously the way they're treated it would be great so when i think people saying like damn i can't find anybody i'm like wow you must really be not a great operator you must not pay them enough money. There's something wrong there, right? And I think yeah. one of you guys that I, that I was speaking to recently, he's like, you know what? I just started looking for people who didn't have any experience. I didn't care. I don't, I don't need yeah. your I mean, If I can teach you what I need to teach you, that's all I care about. And I've had tremendous success with that. I say the same thing. I literally have actually four of my employees, never been in a kitchen before, never cooked before. I said the same thing you said. I'm like, I will if you're willing to learn, I will teach you. And now I have four of them actually next week going to New York City, taking their food handler's license for the wow. first time. And they're yeah. I'm like, listen, I'll pay you when you pass. I'll pay you for the test um, if you can do it and pass. And, you know, to see that growth of them over the summer from literally being the people who were like, just like moving around stuff for me, cleaning stuff, whatever. And now they're like onto that next phase. You know, you have to support their growth as well, you know, really promote within, I think is very important. You know, if they're dedicated to you, you know, it's something. And just like another point too, um, in terms of like the hiring and stuff and like finding people, something I sort of realized during the pandemic too, is I think part of the reason I think it's hard to find people. I think a lot of people just left the industry in general. I'm like, if you could, if Amazon's hiring, paying $20 an hour to work from home remotely, why would a lot of these people come back to the kitchen for $15 an hour or $16 an hour you know, when they can be working at home for Amazon doing tech support or something like that? Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that people doesn't necessarily realize was happening. People kind of, 
when they had no other jobs, they found these other opportunities um, and they did kind of leave the industry. Um, so I think that's something to also take note of in terms of hiring and where people went. Yeah, I mean, passion for the business is only going to get you so far. It's t- kind of tough to find passion where the lowest guy in the totem pole, right? Like, you just need a job. Yeah. There's got to be some benefit to that. But also, I also, the other part of that guy's plan is he bring, he is constantly hiring dishwashers and will bring guys through and girls through the, the dishwasher position and then just kind of rotate them up. I'm like, that's like a little farm system. Like, they start out by peeling potato, cutting onions, what have you. And then they're like, okay, hey, I want to learn to grill. I want to learn how to make fries. I want to learn how to make salads. And it's yeah, I think that's great. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna find people. I think it's like understanding that they don't want to work for you forever, right? Like they want yeah. they want to enjoy their time with you and not you know. That's another thing. You gotta like not be so emotional about it. But I, I like what you're saying. I mean, yeah, you treat them right, give them the opportunity, is all that most people can ask for. And I think that that's how you get people to stay. Yeah. Sure. So are you? So tell me what the plan is. You, you had gone down the a brick and mortar road previously, right? Yeah, so I actually pretty much basically had a lease signed. Um, yeah, we, yeah, I've, I mean, you know, I was working with you, I was working with George, some of the guys at Sabre as well. Yeah. Um, you know, doing a lot of, doing a lot of research and really trying to find a place. Um, this was kind of after the, the pandemic, I was really, really trying to find a place. Um, and everything so far has been crazy expensive in the city. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, we're really looking for like a second generation turnkey space to sort of get our first start. Um, we don't have millions of dollars to sort of get our first location open. Um, so we were sort of looking for a turnkey space. So literally I was in the city like every week looking for spaces. Um, and nothing was really just right. We did eventually find a place and we were like almost done with the leasing process. And these people, the people we were working with, not my broker, the people on the other end, um, they were dragging their feet. They, mm. It's like they wanted us there, but they didn't want us there. You know, it's like they were still kind of searching. Yeah. Um, they were dragging their feet. Like we start in April and then like, we almost finished up in October. Like they were really dragging their feet. Oh again. my God, like, that is dragging their feet. Um, and basically what happened was right when we were getting to finalize everything, like, Delta started coming out. We're going into the winter, which is not necessarily the best time to open up a restaurant. Like we wanted to open in the summer and like be ready to go. It's the best time. Um, And all this stuff started going on. I was like, you know what? Now it's not the right time. So I kind of cut my losses there um, and moved on. And that's when we started to focus on the next concept. Mm So you put the plug on it. You were like, forget it. I'm not doing this. This is, doesn't feel right. It's not a good fit. Or didn't whatever. feel right. Delta was like becoming like a big thing. Everything was shutting down again. Like I was like, yeah. I don't think it's the right timing. Man. See, everything happens for me. Every time something like that has happened to me in my life, something's gotten better. So that's a good, yeah. that's a good move there. You never, you don't like be forced into some emotional decision. So that's cool. But um, so now, so assuming paper play rocks. I mean, what do you have any plans? Like, what's the where is people play want to end up where do you want to end up with this concept yeah i mean we want to be a national brand international brand that's that's the goal um so pretty much what my plan is and it's going to sound simple obviously it's not that simple but we're hoping we're going to have a very successful um for six months or so um to a year to really get that proof of concept down and we're really hoping we're going to be successful we're going to fine-tune everything um and when i say fine-tune like everything like systems in place, training procedures, how everything is built, really working with our suppliers to fine tune everything, making sure we're going to get everything on a reliable basis, everything really just Mm. get everything down to a science, down to a T um, to the point where we can hopefully 
uh, take on investors to raise capital to really launch us to that next step. Um, whether that's going to be in the city or the suburbs, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I've had the thought process of going both roads, doing like an old school drive up, kind of like a version of Sonic um, mm -hmm. along those terms or a drive through itself um, or just going into retail markets. Uh, we'll see. Um, I haven't necessarily gone that far yet. I think it's going to sort of depend on how we sort of launch this, you know, first location and kind of see how that works out. Um, but the goal is to you know, make this something bigger than a one-stop shop, two-stop shop, three-stop shop. Um, nice. We're looking to make it something bigger than that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I've, I've said it before, and it's another piece of advice that I received is, if you know where you want to end up, it helps drive a lot of other decisions. I think, yeah. you, know, you, need, you know, you need to prioritize training, you know, your supply chain, things like that, like you alluded to. But you seem like a planner, so that seems like something that's probably top of mind for you. It's not always top of mind for everybody. Yeah, no, always looking ahead, always looking at the future. I'm already looking at what's going to be next, uh, even, yeah. though this isn't even, even though this isn't open yet. And like, yeah, like one thing, like I said, like training and like your staff and everything is so important. Like when I like open something up, like I, whenever I start a new concept, I like grind out that very beginning with them and really train them to do everything the way I want it to be done. Um, so before I know it, I can sort of not let them on their own, but like they're able to run it on their own. So I can start focusing on that next step. If I didn't do yeah. that with Smorgasburg, I wouldn't have been able to do celebrate Brooklyn. If I knew that with celebrate Brooklyn, I wouldn't have been able to focus on this storefront opening. Yeah. Um, so it's something I really try and, you know, grind out in the beginning and really train that staff, um, to do it the right way. So I'm able to focus on what's next. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's something that I get caught up in that, that like, vicious thing of, like, no, I have to be there forever. Like, that's such an old-school restaurant guy thing. And they seem to be dynamic of them not wanting to let the leash out, but, like, also complaining that they have to be there. You know what I mean? I think, <laughs> obviously, the scalable concept, the second you have two locations, you're like, shit, I can't be in two places at once. Somebody better be able to hold yeah. it down. So, yeah, I think yeah, nah. that, that future is, is going to serve you well, I think. I think, I think I get yelled at by my parents all the time. They're like, why are you not going in? Why are you not going in? I'm like, if I was there every single day, I would not be able to be looking for the next opportunity, focusing on building out what's next, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so and also, uh, believe it or not, I've realized half the days I'm not there is actually when they do better. Sometimes when you just leave them oh. on their own Dude, and you're yeah. not over their head, I'm like, my sales are so much better. And I don't know if that's a correlation or not. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like playing loose. It's like they're, 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 they're more loose. The boss isn't there. They can kind of flex their own muscles. And there's an opportunity for them to show off amongst like, the ones who actually care. I think they... They're gonna like take that opportunity to like kind of fill the vacuum, right? And like, hey, I'm gonna take care of this. You know, hey, while you were gone, you know, Timmy took care of that, and Stewie took care of that, and they they love that. That's really yeah the accolades and like learning to reach out is, is a big piece. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, been cool. days where like yeah, there's been days where like oh, we're out of American cheese for the burgers, and then I get a text like oh, I just went to the supermarket to go grab some American cheese. Like the fact that they did that and like had that forethought of like doing Magic. that is like yeah. amazing to me. I'm like yeah. Like they like, could have easily just said, we're sold out. See you for the day. Yeah. No, I ran to the grocery store and go bought more lettuce for the burgers or something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, they should drive me crazy. They're like calls like that. Like, we're out of cheese. Oh, do you think I have a magic stash of more? I can just, you know, visualize some and have it land on your, go get some. Go for yeah. the day, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds silly and people who like, aren't in the business don't get it. But like, yeah, it, it can be hard, right? Like they got to, how am I going to get to the store? There's not one room necessarily close to here, and we use a certain kind of cheese, and the chef can be mad. But at the end of the day, somebody's got to make that call, and you should drive me nuts. Like, you know, we're out of brown paper bags. Hey, man, figure it out till tomorrow. You know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, that's, it's crazy. But then it comes when you let them make those decisions. If not, then you're going to get those calls for life. 
Yeah. So, yeah, so. Um, all right. So we're going to wrap up the show here. As you can go back to, to looking at the future and planning your next move. Um, I have three questions. Okay. That yeah. I ask everybody It's like a little bit of a hot seat. So I don't know, you know, <laughs> how you perform under pressure, but here we go. We'll find out. You ready? Let's all right. do it. On your day off, what's your go-to restaurant? That is a that is a hot question. So <laughs> I will say, so I will say, I'm not I'm not really one to go back to restaurants. I mean, we're in New York, and like, there's so so many like opportunities here. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of restaurants. <laughs> um, so I'm not necessarily one to like, oh, let's go back here, let's go back here. I want to be able to try everything. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of that. Um, What's your day off tomorrow? If I were to choose one. Yeah, tomorrow you got to choose one. If I were to choose one, that's a good question. Hey, it's a lot it's of pressure. Tough, man. Tough. <laughs> you don't want to lose that free meal you get at that one place because you say another place. I know, right? <laughs> you know what? I'm actually, I've actually been, it's been a craving lately and I've actually been loving uh, like Israeli Mid- Middle Eastern food. Um, I've been going actually a few times this summer. I went back. Uh, it's called this place Shushu Nolita, and uh, it's in like Nolita, sort of downtown area. Um, their food has been. They actually kind of just redid the menu. Their food has been really good. Um, it's really fresh every single time. Like you can tell, nothing's like made before. Everything's really made to order. Um, the food's been fresh. Everything's been really delicious. Um, so that might be one of my go-to's right now. We've definitely celebrated a few events there over the summer. It's a good vibe for birthdays, stuff like that as well. Um, so, and the owners are great. Shushu Nolita? Yep. All right. Shout out to Shushu Nolita. I'll have to check that place out. Okay. Yeah, definitely check it out. Now, all right, number two. Okay, you and I traveled to a city, right, and just kind of got lost. What restaurant, what kind of place, what kind of bar would I find you in if you just like, I'm lost, you know, screw this, I'm going to just hang out here until, until he finds me. Where would you be? You're going to find me in a, probably a dive bar. Um, when I was out in Napa Valley for the year, there's this place called Anna's Cantina. Um, it's right in St. Helena, downtown St. Helena. Um, obviously in Napa, everything's expensive. Everything's crazy. Um, as a student, we didn't have much money. Um, and it was basically where all the locals would go. And you would learn a lot from everybody who's there. We actually made a lot of friends at a dive bar and we actually learned about a lot of restaurants. And also what's cool about, I think a lot of these like dive bars and stuff, especially like in the city and stuff like that, that's where a lot of times, like a lot of these chefs and cooks will go after work or whatever to just like relax and detox. And we basically, we made a lot of friends who were also chefs. And next thing you know, we went to their restaurants, whatever for the next day it's lunch or whatever. And they also hook us up um, after. So making those connections are pretty cool. At a lot of those dive bars like that. Yeah, that's that seems to be a go-to answer. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. Like when you're in a, when you're in the business and you just like sometimes you don't want the service like that. Just put something down in front of me, dive bar, just give me a cold beer or like a good McGorn or something. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, all right, last one. You can have one meal anywhere you want with three people that you're living or dead, famous or you know, family, whatever you want. Who would they be? Sorry, repeat that one more time. It's a little coffee. You have you have one meal. Uh, you can one meal any restaurant you want with three oh, people, meal. living or dead, famous, not famous, um, you know, throughout history, mythical, whatever you want. Who are those three people? Mom, dad, and my brother. I'm a big really? family guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Wow, that's sweet, man. Yeah, yeah. And, big family and, guy. I like to, you know, do whatever I can, spend as much as I t- 
10 with them. Um, so that's probably the answer on that one. And you know the uh, Actually, I have two brothers, so I didn't say which one. But, right. uh, they're, uh, <laughs> they're, uh, uh, they're not in the business, but they've all been very supportive um, of everything I've been doing so far. They understand everything. There's been many days where they've been working at my stand when I first started doing the cashier job, all oh, that stuff, nice. even though yeah. they didn't have to. Um, so they've definitely been a big part of sort of what I've gotten to today. Damn, one of the most honest answers I've ever gotten. Usually people are like, you know, um, Bill Clinton, you know, Empire. <laughs> um, very cool. Too much, pre- too much pressure. I'd rather just, you know, enjoy the experience and, yeah. you know, have it that way. I respect that. That's cool. All right. So tell them about Peter Play, where they can find you online and in person uh, moving forward here. Yeah, absolutely. So we're winding up our outdoor mobile season, uh, but as we go into next year, hopefully you'll be able to find us at Smorgasburg again, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, um, hopefully also at Celebrate Brooklyn Music Festival again. Um, and then starting next month, you'll be able to find us at Williamsburg Market, um, right on North 3rd Street, um, seven days a week, 12 to 10, and potentially some extended hours like that. We'll also be on all the ordering platforms, DoorDash, Uber Eats, everything as well. Um, and we definitely hope you come out and check us out. You know, we're excited for this new chapter. Um, and we hope it becomes something, you know, bigger than what it is now. Awesome. All right. Well, good luck, man. Um, that sounds super exciting time to, to be starting in this business and, and, you know, definitely something that's got a lot of passion behind and a lot of experience. So, uh, guys, that's Aaron Ratner, paper plate, check him out in Williamsburg. Aaron, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate it. All right. Okay. All right, guys, that's a wrap on episode 130 with Aaron Ratner, Paper Plate. If you are in Brooklyn, check him out, the burgers. I haven't had one yet. You know, if you're coming to Brooklyn, maybe hit me up. We can go together, check it out. Uh, Good dude. I'm sure he's going to have a ton of success there. It's a great location, and they've done some great um, renovations to the space over there. Um, and I think he's going to fit in perfectly. I think the neighborhood's going to love it. The The other concepts there are a perfect match. So uh, congrats to Aaron. And um, you guys have a great weekend, and thanks for checking us out, and I will see you next week.